listening to the Two Ramblers podcast with your host, Dauber, from the class of 1994, and his brother and co-host, Sammy D, from the class of 1998. Uh, today's podcast is sponsored by Papa D's. When you're <laughs> hungry late at night, stop by Papa D's and tell them you listen to the Two Ramblers podcast and get a free order of cheese balls. Everyone loves Papa D's balls. Uh, Sammy, welcome in to the Two Ramblers podcast. Oh, Papa D's. Many a night would be looking out the Campion dorm and see the the soft smells of Papa D's coming across Sheridan Road. Oh, glorious. Yeah, you know, I uh, I used to work at the Kinko's that was a couple doors down from the Papa D's. And uh, so I had quite a few Papa D's dinners at like midnight or 10 o'clock. Um, I remember uh, getting the Polish sausage and, uh, and I would always order cheese cubes, but Papa <clears> D <throat> would always say, hey, drop an order of balls. <laughs> so he would always call them cheese balls. I would try to say, could I have the cheese cubes, please? And he'd go, Get, hey, drop an order of balls back there. So <laughs> Papa D. Papa D, R.I.P. I'm sure. I'm sure he's not alive. He did not seem a healthy guy back then, and he was old back then. So, um, well, we know the building didn't survive either. So, okay. Well, all right. Well, that you know, we could talk a, a long, a long time about the historic uh, Loyola area, but that's not what we're here for. We're talking about nope. the 2021-2022 Ramblers. So. Let's get into it. Uh, we are coming. Uh, yesterday, we had um, Florida Gulf Coast at the Genteel Center. What was the final score of the game? Uh, I got uh, 89 to 77. Okay. 89 to 77. And the, I, I think I heard that this is the first time we've allowed a team to go over 70 um, in a, quite a while uh, at the Genteel yeah, Center. Yeah, it's the first I, the the notes I saw this morning was the first time a um, an opponent at Gentile has gone over seventy points in I want to say a few years. So um, yeah, pretty pretty impressive. All right, well let's get into the game. You know, just to start us off with, how did you think the starters did in last night's game? Well, honestly, I, I thought it was. Kind of, I realized that coming off of the the win against Coppin State that we literally need to forget that game for the rest of the year because that was an aberration. And to think that that's how every game is going to go from now on it is, is really kind of unfair to the team. And so I really thought the team really kind of struggled out to, out of the box, uh, partly because they didn't hit every shot they took, but um, that, you know, I'm even kind of watching the game as we're recording right now, and it's five minutes in, it's still only 10-9, whereas – you know, the first game, it was 30 to three. So, um, so I felt like they really were just trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this? You know, um, where, how do we play a game where everything's not literally every basket's not going in or every shot's not going in the basket. So, uh, I thought they kind of struggled, but once they kind of got their footing, then they really kind of really seemed comfortable and played well. Um, so it's, the thing I really was looking for in this game was like, okay, how are they going to adjust when things don't go perfectly? Uh, and it seemed like the, 
the, the starters really kind of set the tone for that, that they weathered the storm and then were able to um, play well moving forward. You know, I, I think Coach Drew said, talk about weathering the storm. You've just said that. But, yeah. you know, I, I'm just looking back at the numbers here at, um, you know, with with uh, 12 seconds to go in uh, in this in the first first half, we're up 20 points. Yeah. So, I mean, we weathered basically, we hung on to the storm, I, I think, as opposed to weathered. I mean, it's like we, there, you know, we, we, by the end of the second, uh, by the end of the, the first half, I thought we were pretty good. And I think in the, in the second half, we started struggling to hang on a little bit. So, um, a couple, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the way that I, I've at least have come to watch the games is, you know, the, the, the college game is built into two halves and not quarters like the pro game, but you still can break it up like the first 10 minutes, the last 10 minutes right. uh, of each half. And it seemed like the first 10 minutes of the game, you know, was kind of back and forth, but then, you know, the Ramblers really, you know, shot well, defended well in that second 10 minutes and therefore that got that 20 point lead. But in the second half, you know, I thought Gulf coast really, you know, for both the first 10 minutes as well as the second 10 minutes, really kind of like one, they outscored the Ramblers in the second half, but then they really just, they just were shooting lights out. I mean, it was crazy. They shot uh, in the second half. Yeah. I mean, nine of 20, you know, from three point land and, you know, and then that, um, if I, if I ever see Tavian Dunmartin again, good Lord, I think, I mean, he'd basically take the ball out of, the backcourt and he was throwing them in and it was crazy. But yeah, I, I think there was a, definitely some storms, but I think it was, yeah, it just was, it was definitely a fast paced game, which was really kind of fun to watch uh, again. Um, but yet what was, I thought really intriguing was they shot eight of 21 from three. The Ramblers did. So they shot half as many three pointers as the last game and yet still scored 89 points. So that really just kind of tells you about, okay, they can win a different way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I mean, I want to get back to the starter question, uh, specific yeah. talk about a couple of guys, but but this you you had to bring up Tavian Don Martin, who I you know really was a, a nightmare um, matchup. I don't know why he didn't seem that big of a guy, um, but he was shooting from it looked like the logo a couple times, like he was like in yeah. that in that really that NBA three area, mm-hmm. um, and um, um, but you know. I, I, I'm concerned about this. That trend is is concerning to me. I don't know if you noticed this or you heard if you were listening to them talk about him, but he's like a fifth-year senior. He's played at three colleges. Right. And my concern is we're going to have a bunch of these gym rats and like these guys who maybe don't make the next level who are all going to be playing as essentially super senior graduate students and, oh. and glomming on to teams that really they – they're kind of like hired guns. I feel like we're going to be seeing some of these teams where, and you know, the other guy in the team who, you know, was driving me nuts uh, on the opponent. So let me look at this guy's name, Matt Halverson, <laughs> Matt Halverson. This is the guy who got three very questionable charges. Right. Um, and he, he, again, is from somewhere else. Like he, yeah, he, he's the, he's the all time three point leader for Western Carolina. So they're a team that has seen the tournament. So it's not like some schmo, 
Um, yeah, he, yeah, you're right. Another hired gun guy. But my point is, this guy goes down to Fort Myers or wherever this Florida Gulf Coast is, and it's just like you know, there's a little vacation year where he gets to play more basketball. I, and I'm just worried when we play some of these other teams. Um, um, I'm trying to think who it was. I was looking at some. Of, was it an upcoming opponent? Yeah. Oh, I know. I was watching the. Um, I was watching the 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 upcoming opponents in our in our league in the um, in the valley. And one of the teams I can't remember who it is has like three Wisconsin Badgers. Oh, yeah, Valparaiso. Yeah, yeah, Valpo has three Badgers. Now, let's say they're not starters at the Badger program, but, you know, if you're playing for the Badgers, uh, you know, right. that, that, that's a Big Ten team, and now three of those guys are in Valpo? You know, yeah. so so I'm kind of this, – this transfer portal plus the COVID thing, I think we're going to run into some teams that are, are – it's not going to be like Coppin State where we yeah. – you know, because we're, we're going to be playing guys that are 23 years old. You know, so all right, back to the uh, back to the starters. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking about all my notes before I even get into anything here. But um, I, I, you know, obviously Ugwa came out great. Um, yeah, played played good in the first half. Got us started building up the lead, and then even in the second half, uh, there were some times where he made some key possessions. Uh, looked great. That's how we need him to play night in and night out. Um, and then. The the other guy who I was who I was happy with was uh, Brayden Norris. If you look at the assists, especially in the second half when we're weathering the storm, quote unquote, mm-hmm. he is feeding guys down down low. Um, had eight assists, um, you know. So it just it looked you know it looked like he really was was running that offense well and 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 distributing. Yeah, it's. It's so hard to see. Yeah, I think that was one of my concerns about Braden Norris last year. Was just like you know, you kind of had this luxury that the Rams have had the last five years of great point guards, and I was just like, what is it about this guy? I just I don't get it. What are, what are people so excited? And then yesterday was was one of those games that was you know this is why because it's not flashy, you know, twenty points or anything, but he got you know nine points, five rebounds for the shortest guy on the court, uh, and then eight assists, and then two turnovers. So it's like he, you know, those, I mean, eight, if anybody can have a four to one ratio from assist to turnovers, you love that from your point guard. And that he just, and then the, I think he also then, yeah, he had the most minutes of, of just right behind Lucas, but you know, 33 minutes. And so it's like, he's on the court most of the game. And it's just like, yeah, he, even in those moments where it was like, I felt like this is slipping away. It's like, he just would control the ball and, and really kind of, you know, control the game um, by orchestrating the offense. And so that was really, that was encouraging to see. And then I hear, you know, it was just like, if we're going to get out of him games like that on a more regular basis, not a rare basis, because that's what it was like two years ago against St. Louis and a couple of the games last year, it was just like, oh, what a surprise. But if this is going to be the norm, oh my goodness heavens. Because if, you know, him hitting threes and, I mean, he was seven of eight from the field. Like that was just crazy. And then, you know, some of the dunks were just phenomenal and, you know, bringing the, the whole crowd to its feet. So, uh, and then defensively as well. I mean, he had one block um, and yeah, he had a great, just a great overall game. And, well, and, but what I found really kind of interesting and you talk about the starters, but him, I saw, especially in the post game, it was, he was just like, yeah, excited that we scored 90 points, but we shouldn't be giving up 77. That's, that's not going to, 
that's not going to stand. So it's like they understand from a divisive standpoint, yeah, that, that's not going to fly, uh, especially as they come up against teams that are more well-rounded. Um, and as you said, have the super seniors, have those guys that are like, you know, transferred in from some other place and, you know, have skills that they're not, you know, some schmo off the, off the streets. So. Yeah. So, uh, I was going to say one, one of the positive I thought, uh, in the first half and then even the second half was, you know, Lucas Williamson didn't have his best game and, and, you know, he's not going to play every game. Great. I mean, he's a great player, but, um, it was good to just see other guys step up that we don't need him to have his best game every time. Like, like in the tournament where he's having like career games, every, every game, um, we don't we don't need that if we're getting production from other guys, and um, and one other cool thing, and I I didn't listen real closely to the uh, broadcast, but I think we made it through almost the first half without a Cameron Crutwig uh, reference. <laughs> you know, like the old oh, whatever they gonna make up the points of Cameron and. You know, that kind of thing, which I think is a positive. I'm not taking anything away from Cameron Crutwig. Of course, I would have loved to seen him play this year. Right. But come on, we got a, we got a new identity. We got to, like, have something else going on. And, and that can't be our identity, that guy. We have to have a full Ramblers team show up and play. And, and we don't have the luxury of playing him anymore. So talking about right. him all the time and having it – Focusing on his loss, I think is is it was great to hear his name not really get mentioned uh, until the end end of the first half, and then I heard him again a couple times right as we were closing out the game. So uh, I thought that was a real positive. One one last comment about the starters. I wanted to get your thoughts on: Should we be concerned about Huddy? I you know I was thinking about that. I, I don't think so because um, again. It, it, we still need to remember that even though his, you know, he had such great games at the end of last season, he did not play at all up until the last five or six games. That's why that was such like an aberration. Like, you know, like what do you, I mean, he literally put, did not play at all. And then all of a sudden he had these great games in the, in the, in the arch madness as well as in the March madness. And it was kind of like, Oh my gosh, this is what's going to happen. So, the realization of like, you know, could be through the roof, but then the reality of like, Hey, he's 19. He literally, I don't even think he is 19. Like he is a kid that is learning how to play at division one, high division one level. And so it's like, I'm fine with what he did. Um, Now granted he went over, over four from the field and over two from the three throw line. Eh, Come on, dude. Um, But you know, two rebounds, you know, he, he, Played a good ten minutes, so it's like okay, it was, but that was because of the way the game was shifted, um, and it's like okay, fine, we're gonna play a little differently. And then it, I, I think it, I would be concerned if you know, moving into your, maybe your next topic here of you know the guys off the bench who are fulfilling that five uh, role, um, where they had great support from Tom Welch and Chris Knight. Where it's like, okay, combine those three guys have to you know, a good rotation, and I felt like that was true of the whole game. And because points and rebounds, yes, you can see, you know, is it that thing? But I look more along the lines: is the ball moving, or when it hits Huddy's hands, does all of a sudden the ball just like boom, you know, the air go out of it? And that's not the case. He's moving without the ball. He moves the ball to you know the open, you know, because he even ha- uh, 
Yeah, he still got. He had one assist. So it's like, all right. So the ball's moving when it's there. So I, I'm I'm happy with where he's at. And if he can keep growing, and I'm, I, I, that's that's gravy. So I, I'm happy. He's fine. Let him grow. Let him get you know more minutes and you know more endurance and you know and because the games that he's going to be needed are against you know uh, guys in the valley like Brody and Fife that are just big big bruisers and you know that's where he's going to earn his minutes and I think he'll grow into those so it's just fine. Yeah, it's it's almost like you wonder if if it's a game shape type of thing. You know, it's like you you can work out in the off season. You can have you can have um, um, uh, you know scrimmages and stuff like that. But it's right. it's different when you're pounding in the paint with with this guy. You know, like Kevin Samuel uh, didn't have a great game, but he was he was a, a trouble. You know, he was there. Right. You know, and uh, there was another guy in that team. I can't remember who it was. Was it Caleb? Cato or Cyrus Largy, one of those. There's another big dude that it was, it was the Weir guy, Andre Weir. Yeah, yeah, Weir. Yeah, and and it's like he's there, and um, so you know there were a couple of guys that were giving us trouble down low, and um, and so yeah, maybe it's just one of these things where he needs to just grow, and 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 again, you know, we don't have. Cameron Crutwig. <laughs> Cameron Crutwig. We don't have him. So um so it's like now he's gonna get real minutes and he's gonna get he's gonna start and he's gonna be playing their their you know their main guy and and so it's gonna be a learning curve for sure. Um let's talk about the bench. I, I wanna get back to Welch and Knight. I mean, obviously that was probably one of the big stories of the game. But here's a guy who showed up yesterday, Tate Hall. Yeah. Well, I mean, we gotta have him. We gotta have him. I, mean, he, I, I said this last year, the one weakness of our team, or, or I, I should not a weakness, but just like the guy that I wished would have, you know, really done much better than, and he would admit than he did was Tate Hall. I mean, I felt that there were games that he just was absent. At least it, it appeared, but yet if you dig under, there was, he was there, but it's just like, and to, yesterday was definitely one of those games where it's like, you know, four of six, three of five from the, you know, from three and it was like he was awesome to watch and uh, and so just like if, if he can build confidence in his offensive game I think it's going to build even more confidence for his defensive game because that's where he did show up last year was so much on his defensive side where it's like if you can now be offensive where it's like you come in off the bench um, and really provide that you know uh, that, that backup where it's like you know so Lucas can be, it can be okay that Lucas has 10 points um, or it's like, uh, you know, just, you know, the, 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 all the starters don't need to like, Hey, we have to shoulder the load. It's like take off and come in and be a defensive stalwart, be an offensive, you know, weapon um, that teams have to account for. And that was exciting to see once again, that was like, okay, this was the guy from even his first year in the Valley where it was like, he was an all newcomer and that was awesome to watch. Yeah, I mean, I love the idea of him coming off the bench, playing twenty three minutes, and 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 if he plays like that on a consistent basis, it's going to give fits to to the guys that we're playing because they're going to scheme uh, for one thing, and then all of a sudden he's going to come in, disrupt the game, play defense, have all this energy, shoot threes. I mean, it's just that would just be an amazing thing to just have on a consistent basis. I mean. Um, you know, so I, I, I definitely, it was great to see him show up and I felt the same way last year. It's not that I, it's not that I, I felt like he was bad or anything. It was more like, I just want him to show up at that level that 
we all know he can play at. I, I think I think he even admitted it too at the end of last year. He goes, I just it I didn't feel right. And and that was exciting to see last night in particular. It was just that game where it was like this felt right. It was like this is the role that I can do. And it was like he was embracing that and just, you know, really playing well. And it was that was fun to watch. Um, and I think that, but that's true, I think, of all of the team. It's like realizing that there's not the one guy that's going to be like the All-American, which is fine. Um, but we need the guys that like, hey, this is my role and, and I can flourish and thrive in this role. And then because of that, everybody does well. And that, that's he's he's testament to that. All right, well, I'm going to get to this uh, this rotation with Chris Knight and Tom Welch. Um, Huddy's struggling a little bit, so they're pulling him, they're bringing him out, and then they're they're just basically swapping Welch and Knight throughout the game. Right. And the sequence that I just thought was amazing. This is the this is probably the most crucial point of the game. There's about four minutes left. Um, there's a point where uh, Florida Gulf Coast gets within five. Um, and I think, let's see, I'm trying to think Ugwak, I think makes a layup, which puts, which puts us up by seven. Uh, they get a, they get a foul and a free throw. Uh, and so it's the games within six points. Um, when Chris Knight makes a layup assisted by Brandon Norris, great layup. Then the very next possession we go down and Chris Knight gets a huge block. Yeah. Then, then they come back. Chris no, Chris Knight makes another layup assisted by Brandon Norris. They go up by 10. Now they, they, they go down by eight, and then and then Welch comes in, and they go up by 10 again, and then they don't look back. Right. That I mean, that block doesn't go down. Some of that, you know, some of those plays, you know, whatever they saw, whatever Norris saw, whatever, I mean, th- there was something happening. I don't know if it was because Samuel had four fouls. But there was just something that opened up. But those two guys, right at that point, I mean, they, they, we we put the hammer down then, and that was kind of the the difference, and I think in the game. Yeah, I mean, those two guys in particular. I mean, like just you know, stat guy realizing they scored twenty nine points, and they had nine or six rebounds, um, and I mean. A block, uh, yeah, that, I mean, Knight had a block and a steal, too. Yeah, block and a steal. I think Welch, Welch had a block, too. Maybe not. Okay. But it's like, if you can get that production from your five across the board, and then, like, yeah, they had 29 points in 29 minutes. So every time one of those guys was on the on the floor, every minute they scored a point. Um, that's huge. And, you know, huge production. It's just like, oh, okay, so then we don't need to be concerned about, you know, the five and allow. And and I think, well, the other thing is the way that our offense does run um, is the, you know, from the top of the key, you know, to use, you know, jargon, you know, the pick, you know, the big man makes the pick. um, And, you know, the guard comes around and it's like the pick and pop, you know, kind of, and they both can do that. But yet what they the layups that night, you know, you're highlighting was that then he was the pick and then there was the roll uh, where he was rolling to the basket. And both times was just like, he just, he looked very fluid without the ball and moving well. And that was like, okay, this is, um, I've heard some 
folks refer to him as kind of, you know, Andre Jackson like uh, from the you know final four team. And I'm like, boy, man, if he can be that guy where he just, it seemed like he was just instant buckets you know, every time he was on the floor. And then if, again, if that shows it from the stat line where it's like, okay, those guys are on the floor for 29 minutes and there's 29 points. It's like, okay. Um, I love that. Well, I think it's time uh, to give away the hammer player of the game. Uh, yes. So, okay. So here's, we mentioned this last week. Um, I fall in love with, with bench players. Um, I'm a big bench mob guy. And um, when we were in school and then, and then we, I'm, even after I graduated, there was a guy named Matt Hawes who came off the bench, six foot five, uh, 235 player. The Chicago Tribune said he could have played tight end if Loyola had a football team. Um, <laughs> he would come off the bench. Uh, there was a great game where he came off the bench against Notre Dame, where we beat Notre Dame for the first time in like 28 years. And, um, uh, the Tribune said that Matt Hawes, you know, came off the bench and continued the carnage. Like he was just destroying uh, Notre Dame in the paint. And um, so I loved this guy. So, and I, 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 and we don't know whether his nickname was the hammer, but that's what I called him, Matt, the hammer Hawes. Um, so we want to start giving a hammer award away on the two Rambos podcast every, uh, every week. Uh, or for every game, uh, for a guy who just, uh, you know, shows up with heart, hustle, and muscle. And uh, yeah. so we're going to give it to Chris Knight this week. Uh, Welch was really close. I mean, obviously, they were kind of splitting time. Um, the difference in their scoring was Welch uh, just went to the line a couple more times and had a couple more chances to shoot free throws. But Yeah, five uh, but, of seven. That's yeah, but, awesome. Yeah, but Knight, I mean, um, Knight was actually six of seven. Um. And two for four from the the, uh, the free throw line. Plus, he got that that incredible block at such a crucial time. So that's uh, that's the uh, the Matt Hawes Hammer Player of the Game. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, all right. Um, yeah. What? Anything else? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh well, you you have an award that you want to give out. Yeah, I want to give out uh, sponsored by JB Albertos over there on uh, West Morse. What is it? Uh, still nine seven three thirteen hundred. Is that the phone number? <laughs> I think so. I'm 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 literally going thirty years in my memory for that. <laughs> Off the top of your head, too. That's impressive. Uh, but the JB's Giant Pizza, great play of the day was, of course, uh, Marquise Kennedy with about like nine-plus minutes left to go in the second half. Gets the ball at the top of the key, fakes right, goes back to his left, and drives the lane completely, like almost like the skies, you know, parted and or the seas parted, and he went down there like Moses and just slammed it home. The crowd absolutely erupted, and even Coach Valentine in the after uh, – after the game in the press conference, you know, said that was one of the loudest experiences he's had at Gentile and was just lifted the roof off of the the Gentile center, which was awesome to see. And uh, I I have to admit, um, I'm watching the game at home with the girls and I see this and I literally jump out of my chair and my wife was looks at me like they're up by 15. What are you doing? I'm like, did you just see what happened? <laughs> Same reaction. It was almost like a, 
you know, like David Montgomery getting skinny or something like you, you, you know how they talk about that in, in football where, you know, a, a running back sees a hole and it doesn't really look like a hole. And then he just emerges. It, it felt yeah. like that. Like I, I saw him put his head down. I'm like, what, what, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, he's climbing the ladder. He's at the, at the top of the rim. I mean, and I mean, for, he almost did a flip a when he landed. He almost did a flip when he landed because he, he went up with so much force with that tomahawk dunk. I, I was I was worried he was going to land on his head, but thankfully he did not injure himself. But uh, yeah, that was that was awesome. Yeah, that and, that was great. All right, uh, I don't want to end on a sour note, but uh, uh, I was I was looking at um, I, I meant to bring this up earlier, but um, Coach Drew said we were undisciplined defensively. Yeah. So where is there anything that you saw that that were we were we not rotating? What was the what was the where were we? Where was the breakdown defensively for us? Well, I, I think what it seemed like, um, you know, watching the game again was there just wasn't good rotation. So there were guys that were left open for three that then they drained. Now, granted, you know, again that Dunn Martin guy, I mean, he was nine for 14 from three, which is, you know, that's ridiculous uh, you know, to shoot nine threes. But, it, but I think the Ramblers defense has always prided itself on if you're going to take a three, fine, but we're going to contest it and it's going to be late in the shot clock and it's just going to look ugly. Um, and I, it, it didn't appear that like they had a lot of early on that that's the way it looked. And that's why the score was the way it was in the first half. But the second half, it did not look like that. Um, they had a lot of open threes and, um, you know, from your boy Halverson and, um, but it, it, it wasn't contested and it wasn't like made them work. Um, and so I, I kind of wonder because, you know, they, again, they referenced it in the game. The announcers talked about the um, defensive efficiency from last year's team, but they held teams, you know, under, you know, 56 points. Um, but that was because they played um, kind of slow and I realized that now, because of their up-tempo style, which, fun to watch, may affect their defensive strategy where they got to learn how to, okay, if we're going to play fast offensively, how does that then translate to us defensively? And so I think that's the thing that is the undisciplined. It's like kind of trying to figure out how is this going to play out. Um, if we're going to play up-tempo offensively, then what does that mean for defensively? Because definitely Florida Gulf Coast, they wanted to play up-tempo offensively as well. And so I think that's where – it kind of was sluggish or maybe not sluggish the right word, but just, it didn't seem typical Ramblers defense. Perfect, um, perfect, right perfect example of what you're talking about. I think in that, that play was, uh, uh, you know, Kennedy makes that huge dunk and, you know, the genteel center is all rocking and, and going crazy. And there's a three by the other team, like in the next five seconds, like, or eight right. seconds, like they're, they're come down, open look, boom, three. Yeah. And, and, and it didn't, you know, we had a big lead at that point, but let's imagine that it was a closer game. You know, that, that might've been a real, that might've taken some air out of the building. So it, it, yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. Um, all right. Uh, let's finish it up here. Um, I know we have Chicago state coming up. Yeah. Uh, and then who's after Chicago state? Um, UIC on the 20th. That's right. Okay. And, so yeah, next week is a Chicago Chicago heavy schedule. Yeah, and and I just looked ahead even a little farther on the schedule. Beginning in December, we get to play play the Blue Demons uh, yes. for the first time in like twenty years. 
Yeah, I know. Crazy. And I am so happy that, you know, the Blue Demons aren't ducking us anymore. And like Northwestern, by the way, Northwestern has not played us um, now in like, I think, 12, 15 years. So, um, so I, I, can't, I don't understand it. I don't understand why we don't have a Chicago tournament. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and my goal now is just to become so good that they're begging to play us or we're just playing pe- you know, their opponents. Like we're playing Wisconsin instead of playing Northwestern. That, that, that's what I would love. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, in some instances we're playing, we're playing Michigan state and I, I think there's another Big East team in that uh, in our MTE. Um, Didn't we? Ha- so. Did you hear that we had a secret game against Wisconsin? Did you hear this? Yeah, the double secret or the double secret <laughs> or the secret uh, scrimmage. Yes. Um, which, yes, they did really well in, from what I heard. Yeah. So. so that's awesome. So I'm looking forward, obviously, to that Blue Demons game. I even looked to see if there were tickets. There are tickets available. I don't know if there's a Loyola block. Like I'm kind of nervous. I don't want to. I don't, I don't think there is. I think uh, from what I've heard from all of my Twitter uh, friends, loyal friends, uh, were att- the, the the gauntlet has been put down to pack the place with Rambler fans. So uh, DePaul is drowned out by the amount of Rambler fans that are driving down to the Wind Trust Arena. Well, I saw that I could get in. You know how I love to sit on the baseline and just yell yes. at people. Um, I did see I could get some $30 baseline tickets. So I think I'm going, I, I haven't, yes. haven't, com- haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I think I might be on the baseline for that game yelling. <laughs> that would be epic. Oh, we're going we're gonna to need to get the, an obvious hurt promotional for the few ramblers for that game. All right. Well, Sam, we've done it again. Sammy D, another podcast, another two Ramblers podcast. We're going to do this hopefully after every game. That'd be nice. Breaking it down, uh, talking Ramblers. Good to see you, buddy. Yeah, man. This was fun. Can't wait to do it again. Let's just keep these W's coming. <laughs> <laughs>